0: We are rearing God's children. Who are God's children? Babies and our inner child. We are mothers and sisters. None of us have the same story or mother the same way, but we strive to wear God's way. Sister Tanika.
1: How
0: are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your patience.
1: Thank you for having me, sis.
0: Great to be alive. So, um, the background just to keep Rama entertained a little bit. You hear a little music. <laughs> um, of
1: course, good. Yeah.
0: Yes, ma'am. So, just again, um, rearing children is about God's children, the babies, and the inner child within us. We all have to bring out that child within us. And I think when we do that, we're truly living because it's really not meant for us to be grown ups, um, it's meant for us to be God's children. And one thing that I say about wearing children because it's not just me. Um, who is a part of this, I say that we're all mothers and sisters and none of us have the same story or mother the same way, but we strive to wear God's way. So for today's discussion, I won't be doing much talking at all. We'll be listening to Sister Tamiko, and so I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. So Sister Tamiko Muhammad has an Associate of Science degree in teaching preschool through grades through third grade and is currently pursuing her career degree in early childhood education. She is the assistant director of a daycare center in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, uh And she's the founder of Rose Ministries LLC, which focuses on the re-education and retraining of black women and girls through services and community events. She advocates for the upliftment Oh, around. My mommy this part, I'm so sorry.
1: It's okay. I,
0: Good I, I do this. I'm going to me for one second. Okay. She advocates for the upliftment and empowerment of the black woman. It is also her mission to help girls arrive safely into womanhood (laughs) without being violated. She is also in the process of launching a book titled How to Give Birth to Success, Five Tips on Rare Children in the Foundational Years. (laughs) Let's walk. Let's walk. Let's walk. (laughs) okay and um i would also like to add about that book title that i just mentioned that she also has a podcast where she talks about um the give how to give birth to success five tips on grandchildren children and i listened to the first episode and i look forward to listening to more and it was a really good episode so i really just wanted to mention that and um i don't know how this happened of course it's all alive by Allah God's permission, <laughs> but uh, we end up in the same study circle on Friday and I notice that she's very um, intentional and she pays attention to words and so I think she's very deep and I look forward to learning more today and uh, before we actually get into the topic, I would love to hear more about her. Um, rose ministries if you'll
1: be willing to speak on that so the people can know and i would love to learn more about that too that's okay wow praise be to Allah first of all sister i just want to say congratulations and i admire your strength as a mother you're doing an awesome job and this is a great subject that um our sisters need to hear i am so humbled at this opportunity um you really kind of went into a deep one when it comes to rose ministries because it it hits me at home uh rose ministries is very old (laughs) although i'm in the process of building her right now um it is actually uh something that came to me when i was at the age of 19 and as a young student of the most honorable elijah muhammad i was moved by the teachings and they saved my life. Excuse me, they, they actually saved my life. And I was so awake that I was able to see the young girls around me. They were struggling, they were suffering. I would see girls my age, you know, 19, 20, they would have three, four, five, six children. They were struggling. And even though they were young, very obviously the life you know, the weight of life was on their faces and, and their clothes and then sagging in their bodies. And I was saying to myself, I was like, you know, I have these teachings and I need to be sharing this. And so I actually on the same one of one day when I was just out, I actually started interviewing the sisters, you know, that I come across and I was like, what if there was an organization that you could come to, you can get information, you need to be inspired. And those girls were like, yeah, I really would love part or something like that. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm going to get it. And here I am 20 years later. (laughs) Um, But all through that time, I have really enjoyed working in the community. I've worked with children. I've done uh, what is called uh, Fascinating Girl Pageant, which is also under the umbrella of Rose Ministries. I've also done um, uh, How to Give Birth to Success Community Baby Showers. Where we deliver not only baby supplies, but we uh, also deliver information to help um, young moms, expected moms, more than likely in their teens. So it is definitely something I believe is my calling, um, and I, I want ROSE to expand. Actually, ROSE is an acronym, it means Resurrection of Sisters Everywhere so i I think that it's it's gonna be a universal thing in a minute i'm just praying that we can just go ahead and move forward and bring this vision into reality
0: yes ma'am that's really beautiful i didn't even know it was an acronym i just thought you titled it rose so that's really beautiful and it's more beautiful that you just ask them first before you created it to see what the need is and to really get a response And then to know that the title of your book is also something that you have been working on in other areas and other ways before now that it's gonna be manifested into a book. Thank you for sharing. And so um, I did take some time to ask some other sisters who are working on wearing children behind the scenes and also who's part of the episodes, some of the questions to ask. So the first one is what inspired you to focus on On teaching
1: children. Well, you may not believe this, but I never really thought I was going to work with children. I I never had a desire to work with children. However, um, when I basically just I needed a job, you know, I needed a job, and I started at a wonderful school um, in in the Muslim community, and i was i was around so many wonderful teachers so many wonderful women they and and the principal was a woman she she left since then and she's pursued higher education and advanced education and i'm so proud of her but i saw a female muslim principal and i saw a, a female um you know vice principal and they were running a school and the teachers were so elevating and it was just such an inspiring um it was just such an inspiring thing to see and um there was one particular sister who i really saw how she was able to reach the children i saw how she was able to um to to really teach them and it was through her and some and a couple of other women who are able to uh, show me how to teach children and get them, teach them how to read and teach them how to write, and I was so shocked and so I I was so amazed at how these sisters were able to do this, and I was just sold right there. And I started, I started teaching and I and I started to practice their skills, you know, to help the children to develop their skills, and um, I, I began to, you know, really get my grind in at that time, but it was only until I began to work with five and under, ages five and under, I really saw something. I saw that in these early years from zero to five, this is the time that the child is actually acquiring all of the data and the knowledge that they will have for their adult life and from zero to five they acquire their attitude their personality their character they acquire all of that in those first five years Mm -hmm. and that really was very amazing to me as well and another thing that shook me was a lot of our children in between ages of zero and five, they're not being properly developed. Mm -hmm. They're not even properly eating. Mm -hmm. They're not in a proper environment. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the people today, the adults today, the young people today, and how they're growing up, and what kind of characteristics do they have? What kind of personalities do they have? What kind of attitudes do they have? and is this something that we want to be around? Most of the time we don't want to be around them <laughs> yeah. because of their personality and their attitude. So there are certain things that I studied over these past 15 years that helped me to realize, wow, we got to get them from 0 to 5. And if we get them at that stage, then we can we can produce whoever whenever we want. We don't have to hit and miss. We could be like I want to produce a Moses. I want to produce a Jesus. I want to produce a science. I want to produce, and we can just hit it all all, every time. And I I learned that when I began to study early childhood.
0: Yes, ma'am. That is beautiful. Um, I'm going to try to start with a little bit of what you said in the beginning to work my way. I'm not going to touch on everything that you mentioned, but you stirred up some more questions that I just added to the list. And, um, The first thing is that you actually learn from others about wearing children and how to, you know, help develop them. And what's interesting is um, that's that's a lot of the ways that's how we learn better than going to school. We just learn, like, jumping in and just by observing, and that's also how children learn anyway. They're learning from watching us. Um, So I think that that's really beautiful and that speaks volumes just to how we as people really learn versus like just strictly trying to do it by this educational system of this world. And um, two things that I definitely want to speak on before we end on the live is environment that I hadn't even included in the questions and personalities of adults that ties into the children. So I want to make sure that we bring that back up. And so, thank you for that, because that was a lot. Um, For the second question, I wanna ask about, um, well actually this is a question that one of the sisters came up with and she wants to know, are there parenting, first let me pause, if anyone on here has questions, please put them on the box, in the chat. Um, There's a QA and a portion or you can just comment and I'll be watching the comments and ask your questions to Sister Tamika. And thank you, everyone, for your patience. I had to send Rama with her dad because she was not having it today. (laughs) So the second question is, are there parenting or learning structures that can hinder the development of children?
1: Yes, Um, yes. There um, There are certain structures that can hinder the child. Most of the time, it's going to be in the environment and it's going to be in the dispositions, which are the inherent qualities. And remember, a child can't inherit anything unless it is from mom or dad. <laughs> so um, a lot of the things that, you know, we learn as children, we learn from our immediate relatives, our, our mom and dad. So it's really uh, important that we are examples in early childhood education it is called role model to model the behavior because behavior is learned so whatever we do whatever we say because these children in in this period this from zero to five they're learning what it's called the period of sensorium they are only learning through their senses so they're learning The smell, the taste, the sight, the hearing, the feeling. And what's interesting about this aspect of life, what's for them, is that all these books are empty. So they need to fill them up. What are they going to fill these books up with? They're going to fill these books up with what they hear, what they see. And most of those experiences are going to be from mom, dad. So this is kind of a sensitive subject with me. Because parents do not want to hear that their children, their whatever behavior that their children display is actually from them. And I know that can be difficult, but what we have to understand when it comes to building human potential, when it comes to early childhood education, behavior is learned and we must model the behavior to our children what we want them to do so if we want them to be kind and generous and loving and righteous and you know sympathetic and then we have to be that as well we can't be cruel and mean and yelling and going all crazy over our children and expect them to be wonderful kind tender people we can't do that we have to model the behavior and there are certain strategies and techniques that are applicable that will actually meet that developmental need because every aspect of the brain when it comes to developing like say for instance there was a part of the brain that deals with sympathy and if it's not stimulated by hugging your children or saying you did a great job you know i really like that you keep on doing it if we don't praise the children if we don't love them and, and hug them then that part of the brain won't be stimulated it won't it won't grow and there's research that shows that we have a lot of uh young people or a lot of people in general who are not sympathetic so the most important thing i I pray that we take away from this is we have to model the behavior that we want to be seen in our children we must
0: well i'm just like taking notes (laughs) and adding questions um so two follow-up questions um you mentioned all of these books are empty are you referring to the children's books um kind of what did you mean i'm
1: referring i'm referring to the senses when the children are born when the children are born their brain is like a blank sheet of paper Mm, I and, see. and God has blessed them with five textbooks that are mm-hmm. empty. The, mm-hmm. the taste, the sound, the hearing, sight, and touch. And that's how they learn. And they have a ferocious appetite. It's their curiosity. That's the reason why they get into everything. Because mm-hmm. all they want to do is fill those books. All mm-hmm. they want to do is learn and we keep getting in their way. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Right. <laughs> right. But and instead of we could we, we have to create the environment as well. Mm-hmm. However, we need to put into place developmentally appropriate activities so that they will have things in their environment to meet that need and meet that ferocious desire to learn. Mm,
0: thank you. I've never heard of it that way. That was really beautiful. Um and then why do you think that parents are in denial about their child not being a reflection of them? I don't know where that child got it from. I don't know why she and he act like this. Why, why do you think they're in denial about it?
1: It's very difficult. I mean, I see it every day. I'm an assistant director and I'm telling you, parents don't want to hear anything bad about the children. They don't want to hear it. However, we have to understand That as parents we have a responsibility on this planet, you know we are we the woman is the co-creator, and we have a big responsibility in shaping and molding the minds of human beings. Mm. And I call them neurological units because Mm. when we see our children we say, oh they're so cute, they're so beautiful, their hair so curly and their skin so smooth but we don't even really focus on the most important aspect and that's the brain development Mm -hmm. our children can be just as beautiful as as they could be on the outside but if things are not going right on the inside and where that brain is developing we can come up with a lot of problems so it's for us as parents to begin to understand how important our role is in the shaping and the molding. And it's also very important for us to know the levels of development. Know
0: the what development?
1: The levels.
0: The the different
1: levels of development.
0: May you share those?
1: Well, there is a a well-used theory in American education under um, a child psychologist and a theorist named Jean Piaget. And jean Piaget came up with the four uh, stages of cognitive development. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we don't have time, we're just gonna deal with the first two because the first two literally deals with the zero to five. Mm-hmm. And that's the sensory, sensory motor. And we talked about that a little earlier, what that means and pre-operational. That's four to five, actually four to seven. But in these different stages, when we as parents learn what these stages are, then we could say, you know what? I know, like, say, for instance, how old is your baby?
0: Rama is seven months, I mean, six months.
1: <laughs> okay, she's six months. Okay, so if, if you don't mind, can I use her as an example? That's fine. Okay, and her name is Rami? Rama. Rama, okay, Sister Rama. Sister Rama is six months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she is definitely zero to five. And she's also considered an infant, that's zero to 12 months. So, developmentally appropriate practices for your daughter would be something like nesting toys. And nesting toys are those toys that you stack. And I don't know how many of us may remember the Russian doll, you know, how you have the doll, it's a big doll, then you take that one off and then it's a smaller one, and then it's a smaller one, and then a smaller one. one. Well, those, those are called nesting toys. And those nesting toys, uh, it, it looks good. You know, it's something to play with. They come in all different kinds of colors. They have shapes, they have bowls. They have, you know, all different kinds of um, styles of, of these nesting toys. But they are developmentally appropriate because they focus on uh, fine motor skills, language skills. And then they even help to a crossover, cross line, which means to for the baby to learn how to take one thing and cross it over to the other side of their body. And believe it or not, this is actually gonna help the child be able to write, to be able, when they can reach over, it helps with eating, it helps with learning how to write. So these kind of things, even though it's in the form of a toy, it might be a toy, it's actually a developmentally appropriate practice. So knowing that, knowing the stage, knowing that she's in sensory motor, I can't give her something that's informal because formal is an adult that's that's the last form of cognitive development so i can't give her something that an adult will consider enjoyable because that's not going to be enjoyable i can't give her something that's going to be for four or five years old because it could be dangerous and it's not child appropriate for her so when we know what stage of development that child is in then we're able to give that child developmentally appropriate activities for that age group um, other things that's good for your daughter would be um, blocks, um, just puzzles you can start out with some, with some little simple puzzles, um, just, just things that will help her to have some fun and you know it'll be pleasing to the eye, but it'll also be helping her to develop. So that's what developmental practice is as well and versus um, being able to give your child activities that can help them to develop
0: thank you um we don't have any nesting toys so i'm going to get some of those thank you very much um and when i think about the toys and just nesting in general um because it's like a repetition thing and that's one of the questions that i had when is repetition not supportive to the development of a child
1: repetition we still we still learn repetition in my age Mm -hmm. Repetition never gets old. That is the way we learn as human beings. Repetition is awesome. And consistency is important as well. And having a schedule, I know this is probably gonna be like very difficult for us as parents to, to have a schedule. It's even difficult for me to have a schedule. I'm learning how to do a schedule now. But a schedule, teaching them, at this early age, it will literally regulate their life. It'll make make them more organized. It'll make them more responsible. So a schedule just helping to um, to keep things regulated. Those are some things that um that could help in in, in the young life in their young life. A schedule will be good.
0: Yes, ma'am. I ask because sometimes I speak with parents and they're like, we just keep doing this over and over and it's not working. I'm just like, well, you just have to keep keep it going. (laughs) So that's why I asked the question.
1: If I Um, may address that, if I may address that. mm -hmm. And I want to address that because I think about it every single day. And I want to say this is the same for teachers. This is the same for anyone that deals with children. We must be patient. And even if it looks like we are teaching that skill and teaching that skill and teaching that skill and teaching that skill, I promise you, that child is going to show it one day. They're going to do it all by themselves, and you're going you're to be out and ready to pass out <laughs> because you just won't believe it. Yeah. But don't give up. It may look like it's not working, but if you're applying the skills correctly, it's working. It's, it will take time. them to get the skill but just be patient because it's coming
0: yes ma'am thank you and then what are some techniques you have for children who are depending on their memory and are struggling with recognition and i'm using the abcs and the numbers just as an example so and primarily because it's one of the things that they learn. So what are some techniques you have for children who are depending on their memory and are struggling with recognition of their ABCs and numbers?
1: Well, most of us, we know the ABCs through rote memory. Every child can recite their ABCs. However, when we begin to recognize and distinguish each letter, then we may find that the child is struggling with that. So in order to... We have to break it down. you have to break down each letter and you have to break down each each um item it doesn't matter what it is it could be letters, it could be numbers, it could be shapes it could be the instructions on how to wash your hands. It could be the instructions on how to you know why well it can be anything it just has to be broken down step by step because a part of the de- meeting their developmental need is helping them to move in the directions and helping them to understand step one and step two so here is another thing with patience because teaching abc just straight every single day that's not going to cut it you got to break it down like for example you're going to say a you're going to say apple you're going to deal you're going to show a real apple that smell that, that, that you give it to give it to the child you know ah this is a apple you know and then you want to maybe take it a week at a time maybe take it a few days at a time and then you want to um uh, praise me to a lot. then you want to maybe come up with like um like I, I know a lot of teachers they use like creams or or like shaving creams or, or just something that they could rub their fingers in because remember we're dealing with senses mm-hmm. so if they're able to take their finger and make the a with and take a piece of clay and shape it into an a but they have to see that a a million times they have to see it and you have to continue to say ah you know you have to continue to reinforce reinforce every single day so I mean, I would even suggest for parents with, with children at these ages to set aside 30 minutes. It doesn't even take that long. Do an activity, you know, with your child, because it will also help with self-regulation. It also help them to calm down, be able to sit in a in a position for a long period of time. Maybe you know, 15 minutes or so. Um, or maybe 10 minutes. But it helps with self-regulation. So it's gonna be good for you to come up with a plan of learning, you know. You've, you've got to lay it out and you've got to be able to go back and assess that child then go back once you've done at the end of friday you've been going over it every single day from monday to friday then friday you want to see what the child knows you want to say what is this and then if they're able to recite it then they they're, they're beginning that recognition they're learning. but it's after you have applied so many other techniques to feel it to see it to hear it in a word to really utilize the senses that's what you want to do that's how they're gonna make that connection and cross the domains of learning you have to use um, the senses and there are books that you can purchase that um, that starts out preschool that when you get to that level but I also want to mention that it's also very important to um develop the organic aspects of the brain because it takes three parts of the brain to sound out a word three parts of the brain to sound out a word, if those those parts are not being met that child is going to have some serious issues and it could even lead to intellectual disabilities so what i'm talking about is making sure they get clean and water making sure they eat right making sure they're getting rest and making sure they are getting that nutrients because that's at the foundation of all of this learning because if they don't have the neuro the neurological richness to to do the activity then they won't do it and another thing beloved this is also the time where the parent will be able to see inconsistencies in development Mm -hmm. they will be able to see okay they're not really saying a lot of words here you know they've reached this age they're not saying a lot that's that's another reason why it's important to know the level of development Mm -hmm. and if you know the level of development and you see those red flags oh wait a minute my child is not grasping you know the pincer is not they're not clasping holding on to things so This is also, it's it's important for us to know the level of development. Because when we get in, we wanna go to the stage to teaching the reading and the writing, but those are considered in early childhood education. It's considered an artificial task. You know, the reading, the writing, the spelling, and all of the different subjects that we learn in school. But the organic aspect of learning comes through the senses. And it's important that that is so rich is so rich. They have a lot of experiences. They get out in the grass. They, they play in the grass. Their fingers are touching different kinds of textures. They're experiencing different things with their senses. And then we start introducing, you know, the letters and the numbers. And we do it very slowly. We don't want to rush it. One letter, one shape, one color, one number. And just continue. take your time. If they haven't mastered it just do it over and over. Just take your time. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. And then just, you know, watch for any inconsistencies, but you got to be patient.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And on the line of introducing letters or shapes or numbers to your child, um, some parents only wait until the child goes to school for their child to learn this. So when their child, I know. <laughs> so when their child comes home and the teacher is saying they're, you know, the learning disability that you mentioned or um, intellectual disability, and then when the child is coming home and the teacher is giving feedback, and then you know the parent just just doesn't really know how to work with their child. Um, is there are there any tips? I know you say be patient, but are, are there any tips for parents? That you can share, who are who's, who's just like maybe they just don't know how to be patient, but just for teaching their child. I know you said like one letter, one word, one shape a day, but is there anything else that maybe the mother's like, I, I I've tried just one, it's just not working.
1: Okay, so are we talking about a teacher parent who? did start to teach the child around five years of age?
0: Yeah, they they waited.
1: Okay. So, because there are sensitive periods or windows of development for the brain where you're developing skills and talents and gifts Mm -hmm. in the early years of life. Mm -hmm. In the first year, for example, a child can learn three Different languages. They can learn. Actually, they can learn as many languages as they want. If they hear it, they literally can learn more than one language. That's just how powerful the sensitive periods and the windows are in the first and second year of life. By the time that the child is five years old, they've missed those windows. So, the I wish I had a rubber band because the brain is elastic like a rubber band so it's like it's like this you see my it's it's they they're gonna be able to read they're gonna be able, but this is the struggle you see this is the struggle now if they started meeting those windows around in the womb where the mom is reading to them then it began this is you see how the elasticity of the brain that's never gonna go away but when we start teaching our children at the age of five we're going we're gonna to struggle. It's going to get on out there. But we really got to be patient versus this, the learning at that zero. That's the difference. The brain is elastic. And we don't want to interrupt the synaptic connections in those early years where it is just a proliferation of brain cells and neurons. You, The child can learn anything anything you want but we're taught in the nation of islam that you know what you want to be at the age of five you know your net your destiny at the age of six you know what you want to be so by that time you should be able to go into your destiny at the age of six five six they should be reading and writing when they go into kindergarten they should already know those skills however we still can work, we still can work, but we got to be patient, and you got to be consistent, got to be consistent.
0: Thank you so much. At first, I was looking for something as you were talking, and I couldn't find it. But um, just to let you know, I'm locked in. I was just looking for something. But um, yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for answering that question. So. Anyone who's watching, if you know a mom or even a dad who can use this information, share this, because Sister Tamiko is not just on here talking. She is sharing valuable information. I'm learning a lot, and we none of us have it all. So share this information with somebody who can really put this to use, someone who's expecting, someone who's a parent right now. Just share it, even if you don't know they're struggling, share it with them. And even if they do homeschooling, you already think they do a good job, because they could pick up some additional information. So um, what is the, I think you've already answered this question. So if you feel like you did, um, we can go to the next one. But what is the best way to get children engaged in learning?
1: Uh, the best way to get children engaged in learning. We have to make it fun. And children learn not through books. They don't learn through anything like extra like how we learn we go to class and we sit down and study children learn through play so their play has to be intentional it has to be supervised and we have to create the environment it has to be fun if you know those stages like I was telling you that they're in the sensory stage we know we got to template the senses anything that's gonna tolerate these senses, colors and shapes and different textures. I would say a sensory book is really good. I wish I had time to say more about it, but it's probably one of the best activities for a child in the sensory motor stage. Also sensory bottles. Sensory bottles are very fun. Anything that you can sit down with your child, put something together that they can do with their hands is wonderful. Now, children four to five, They're more independent. That's the pre-operational stage. They're going to want the books. They're going to want the puzzles. They're going to want to hold the pencils. And that's when you can begin introducing the, you know, coloring and just wonderful activities where they are more independent. The dramatic play, um, where you have intentional and meaningful things in your dramatic play. So just making it fun, making the play fun, but studying. One thing we got to stop doing as parents is just sending them out on the playground. Just go play. We, we got to stop doing that. Because remember, children are always learning. When we sitting in the house, reading a book, drinking coffee. The children are learning. They may not be learning what we want them to learn, but they learning. Okay, so we got to be mindful of that. The play needs to be intentional. You just gotta remember the senses. Remember zero to two, you tantalating the senses. Um, Three to five, they're more independent. They want to learn how to button things up. They want to learn how to zip things up. Learn how to tie their shoes. Coloring blocks is still very good. They love puzzles. Things are dealing with problem solving. All of these different things. They love this stuff. I would say instead of going to walmart order from melissa doug's they have plenty of developmental developmentally appropriate activities that are fun
0: May you say the
1: melissa and doug okay. melissa and doug there it's a website and you can order developmentally appropriate practices they have so many wonderful things wonderful things
0: thank you praise be so a lot And um, how do you guide a child through frustration during learning? Or it could just be through emotions.
1: (laughs) Well, one of the skills that a child must develop is self-regulation. Self-regulation is best supported when the child is an infant. That means once the child is at a certain age, I know this might hurt, some parents, sometimes you got to let them cry just a little bit. You just got to, you, you if you haven't had a bath, you have, mom haven't had a bath, mom haven't combed the hair because that baby keep on crying and won't give them any relief. This is the time <laughs> to start supporting self-regulation. Self-regulation is important because it helps with, uh, controlling your emotions it teaches a child how to sit down and and do an activity by themselves and it helps them build relationships when a child does not have self-regulation they're going to have issues with their teachers and a lot of them have issues with their kindergarten teachers they're very aggressive they're throwing a lot of tantrums that's also the source of your tantrums the source of your tantrums is there is no self-regulation so we as parents, we've got this is another patience aspect. We've got to learn how to deal with the crying now. Most of the time we 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 don't make it at that. You know, we we hold the baby, we gonna cuddle the baby, the baby in the bed with us, and we end up missing that stage. <laughs> then we end up <laughs> Then we end up in that terrible, that tantrum stage. You know, they come in the kitchen and they ask for a cooking. and you said no, not before dinner, and they're going to fall out in the pool. That's a sign that we did not support self regulation. So, if we, during the infant year, just test it out, make sure that the child is not in the room with you. They should only be in a room, just that portion, maybe that first three months first four, three to four months where they need to nurse immediately, if you're nursing your children, they need to be close to you where you need to, there needs to be an immediate um, response to the child over those, first, those early months. You got to know, you got to take the child out of the bed with you. And even if you don't have to move the child to another room, but let's just take the child out of the bed with you and just put the child in uh, a, a, um, a bed, their own crib. And then you have to test it. You, you got to cook, or if you got to, you know, go on the other side of the room and fold some clothes, and then they're crying. You know, they've been fed because we, we know what they got to have now. They've been fed, they've been changed, they're not sick, they're fine. They may even want to color a bit, and it's okay to color a little bit, but you got things to do, Mom. You got things to do. Sit them down, you can lay them down, they may cry a little bit if they need to go to sleep, but this is the time to start supporting self-regulation because if you don't, you will see your child turn into a grown man or a grown woman who fighting because that's what we see in the street. We see grown black men and women have no self-regulation. they're going to be fighting, they're going to be shooting, they'll be killing because guess what? You know, some, a woman rejected me when I asked her for her phone number and I shot her in the heat. That is a person that has no self-regulation, <laughs> no self-control. And they did not learn about those things in the early aspects of their lives, not able to have good relationships. The teacher is always have a problem with them. They're always in suspensions. They're always crying. And is always so emotionally overwhelmed and need somebody else to depend on to give them comfort for their own emotions. This is the reason why self-regulation is important in the early years of life. So this helps with self-control, it helps with the tantrums, it helps even when you just sit down and do a puzzle with them. If you can sit down and do a puzzle with that child or an activity with that child, that's really good. But if you have a child and they, they can't sit down one second and do one little activity, and it's time to start working with I'm
0: about to cry. <laughs> no, I'm not going to cry. I did get, I did feel a little emotional stir up though, because I'm like, I don't want my baby to cry. I put her in her bassinet. And I just tested. I said, let me see how long she sit here without me being in the room. And she went a good 11 minutes. This was when she was at three months, but I haven't been doing it anymore. And I was literally thinking about it a few days ago, and I was like, I need to do that again. So thank you for that, because at first I, was, I stopped, and I was like, maybe, maybe I could just wait, but you just like, <laughs> so i how long is too long to let the baby after the baby sit there and then they like okay are you coming back how long is too long for the baby to cry
1: you don't want them to cry long you may want to just start out with maybe about 10 minutes because what you're waiting for is what is called a whimper when they cry and then it just went out and then they know they are all right they know okay mama i got this you know i can sleep i can read I can. they must learn Children have to learn how to self-soothe because remember, in life, when we grow up, we're not gonna have nobody pick us up and pat us in the back. You know, we gotta self-soothe. We gotta learn how to make it through that pain. And this is actually the same principle when it comes to our babies and self-regulation. They have to learn how to self-soothe. They have to learn how to, that independence. We have to begin to usher that in because they got to do it for self. Remember, they soon gonna have to be potty trained. You know these are steps that's taking you up taking them up up into their personality who they will be as an adult i would just say maybe start with 10 minutes and if they are still very strong at 10 minutes you may want to add 10 more minutes or at least just when you
0: say strong strong in the cry or what do yeah. you strong? and they make oh strong when they're still loud because you said we're waiting for the whimper
1: You you wanna you wanna Mm -hmm. let them cry you but you wanna make sure they're fed make Mm -hmm. sure you've taken care of the child make sure everything is settled make sure they're not Mm -hmm. sick they don't really need you know anything make sure they're dry and you want to work on self regulation Mm -hmm. and you will hear the whimper now I'm telling you (laughs) I have in my experience I have seen children grow stronger. They grow stronger because they know the signs. They're, they read the behavior in their parents and they know, I got this. I can cry as long as I want to and I'm going to hold mine. And guess what? The parent is eventually going to fold. You're going to get your cookie. You're going to get money. You're going to get your, your, your device, your phone, your iPad. You're going to get everything you want. <laughs> and that child knows because that's a behavior that we set in them. We set that in them because we don't know anything else to do. Another thing that we could also do for someone that's older is give them a developmentally appropriate practice. I would say something that's going to calm them, like a sensory bottle, something like that. Something, um, I wish I had some time, but there are so many little um, items that that are on the market. That we could purchase to just literally calm the child down sometimes they just need to calm down we have a lot of children with aces or adverse effects of different um things that's going on in their lives you know stress the children are, they are under stress and sometimes just a little activity like a sensory bottle will help calm them down and that could also lead to a tantrum but Putting self-regulation in place is going to start out on a great foundation.
0: Wow, praise be to my so I'm I'm gonna try it tonight because I've been holding off on doing that. So thank you. Um you can still hear me?
1: Yes, ma'am. I okay, can. I
0: keep trying to ignore my call. So um a sister MGT for life said, Lord, I wish I had y'all. She's talking my sister Tamika <laughs> around mm-hmm. during my children's early childhood development period. It was just me and my mom's help by last Commission. Thankful for that too though. So she's thankful for you, praise me to a lot. And um, I think you have shared some of the appropriate activities for preschool development, because you talked a lot about starting now. Is there anything you else you want to mention or should we go to the next question?
1: I think I did, um, well, maybe i may need to reiterate learning those levels of development the four stages of cognitive development because if you don't know the development then you can't address the specific kind of activity for that child yeah. sensory motor senses pre-operational puzzles play-doh is also really good mm. blocks um I would also like an opportunity, maybe, to come back and talk talk about how to make the room, make your child's room, a uh, developmentally appropriate environment, because that's basically what we need. Yes. We need to turn our children's room, literally, into a place of um, learning. Um, yes
0: yes ma'am praise be to our okay so we have three questions i think these ones are fairly quick because you've already mentioned them um you mentioned earlier about foods so how do the foods that children eat affect their development and i'll put this in there too i'm sorry go go ahead i'll make it a part one and two to answer together how do the foods that children eat affect their development and any tips for introducing foods
1: well I'm going to take the hard one first. That's the last part of the question. <laughs> I just started. This right on. Introducing foods is go to, it's not easy. But one of my professors, I remember her telling me that in her center, she introduces food into different shapes. Like they are mm-hmm. characters, like they are bears. And, you know, like she would take, um, um, like the she would make like these snails out of like peanut butter and celery but it looked like a little snail and I'm telling you a child can't resist something like that putting that in their mouth they're gonna want to put something in their mouth but I would say using cut cutters you know like making little stars if you want them to eat fruit like cantaloupe you can make little smoothies you have to make the food look fun and it may be an extra step but you have to make the food look fun and then we can't introduce a whole lot of things at once, especially in the, the first year. But you, when, you, you when that, Whatever you introduce, you got to be patient with it. You got to be patient. You have to make the food look fun.
0: How do I do that? Because right now, I'm only, we just started last week. So tomorrow we'll make a full week. She's only eating navy beans right now. So how am I going to make navy beans this mashed up look fun? <laughs> well,
1: are you really, are you having problems introducing food to her now?
0: No, she's eating it, but you just said make it look fun. But right now we're only eating navy beans, and it hasn't even been a full week. We just started, so.
1: Yeah, I would say for you, you just continue. She needs that nourishment. She oh, okay. don't. Eat it. Now, most of the time when the children are a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, they become toddlers and they got food and you know they throwing the food over here and throwing the food over there. Um, uh, that's when we have to make the food look fun. Okay, and
0: when a toddler, okay.
1: Yeah, maybe we have around of age to talk. But as far as nutrition, it brings me back to actually maybe remember the first part of that question. We need, the human body needs 50 nutrients, and it only comes from food. Now, remember, these nutrients, they actually support the body systems. They manage manage the tissues that we have, and they also feed the brain. So it's really important that we feed them the best that we can feed them because neurologically, it is helping in those stages of development where there is a proliferation of sales, where there's an increase in sales, and then there is a pruning. So if we think about two trees, if you got like a tree over here that's really plush. You got leaves and the leaves are moist and got apples and got all different kinds of beautiful lush tree over here and then you have over here a tree that is just branches and it got a few leaves on it and it's dry and it's brittle this is a brain that's not very well nourished Mm -hmm. not only is it not well nourished but it's also susceptible to intellectual intellectual disabilities like autism you know and other different syndromes diseases because of not us them not being well fed versus this side is heavy and plush because they got water they have vitamin a and vitamin c and vitamin d and they're drinking milk and they got all these fruits and vegetables and navy beans bean soup you know they have this food so their brain is neuronally rich so it's imperative that we feed them uh, nutritious food because it is literally helping them brain to grow.
0: Yes, ma'am. Praise be to Allah. And this last question, is it's like going back to the beginning and when i started asking questions about the environment so may you speak and i know you mentioned the room but i know you said we'd save that for a future discussion but just may you speak to the environment the proper environment for a child
1: okay so in a daycare center as a director we are required to set the room up to meet the domains of development that's the social emotional physical and the cognitive and in every area of the room you have there are actually eight domains but you have these areas you got there's a reason why there is art right here there's a reason why there are blocks there's a reason why you have language over here because it's actually meeting the developmental need of the children so we don't have to just resort that to a daycare room or, or a childcare room. We should turn our children's rooms into a learning environment. I know we love Frozen and Elsa and Iron Man and Spider-Man and all this kind of stuff, but this is not contributing to the developmental aspect of our children. So when we design the room, It should be filled with letters. It should be literacy rich. It should be rich with colors and textures. and It should be, you you can have those fun um, activities that may be related to Spider-Man or Iron Man, but it needs to be obvious that there is a a developmentally appropriate activity, a part of it. So this is what I mean. We wanna set the room up to meet those needs physically, the motor skills, we wanna meet it cognitively, dealing with those like delicate activities. As I say earlier, the sensory motor and the preoperational for, co- for cognition, social and emotional, you know, you they, what do they wanna be? They wanna be a doctor, they wanna be a lawyer, well, what do you want them to, what do you want them to, you know? Have that displayed in their room because our children every day I hear that I want to be Spider Man. I want to be Iron Man. Baby, they not real. How can we tell the children? That's not real. So we gotta stop giving our children these fantasies to live up to. So that's what I mean when I say let's create the environment. God, Allah, He created an environment for us. He created the heavens and He created the earth, then He put a man. on, You know, He put man on it, and He gave us all of these developmentally appropriate activities. And His His goal for these developmentally appropriate activities for us as men is to turn into God. That's His goal. So, what is our goal as parents? What do we want? them to be surrounded with because we are the gods we are gods in their life and we control their environment so that's basically that's the best way I can put it I hope that analogy was good
0: it was good and we're gonna get cut off I didn't know Instagram did that anymore, but I just want to say thank you so much, Sister Tamiko. Everything was so valuable, and I'm going to go back and listen to this for myself. So thank you.
1: Sister, of course. I, um, I was about to, you know, <laughs> cry a little bit because it ended like that. I want to thank you. Thank you so much for being a soldier, for being a mother, for being a wife, for being a Muslim, for being an example of this awesome task and the fact that you're so willing to just shout it out to the world is beautiful and I, I want to support you I love you I believe you're doing an awesome job as a mother I want to thank everyone that contributed I want to thank you all for allowing me on sister and whenever you want to have me on I will be more than happy to share if I'm here by God's grace and mercy I'm thank definitely willing to, to come on I'm
0: so excited. Here. I really am. And um, like I said, I just learned so much from you. Even when I'm sitting in study group with you, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear from her about wearing children, because she just has so much up there in her mind. So I just learned so much. I'm striving to be the best mother that I can be. And you have given me so much more to just add into my motherhood toolkit. And so thank you. I know it was such, an honor to have you. And so um no one else has a question, doesn't look like it, and I, I just want to say thank you again. And um this will be here on my personal page, but um inshallah I will get all of the past episodes on the rearing children page. So everyone follow the page. Thank you so much, sister Tanika. As as
1: thank you, yes ma'am. alaikum salam.
0: Thank you everyone for joining. It's such an honor to you and such an honor again has to have I feel so full. My cup is full. I don't know about it. My cup is full. And I'm really going to listen to that episode right now. I'm going to go get Rama take care of her so my husband can enjoy the rest of FOI class. But I'm going to take care of Rama and have this episode on replay for myself. So I'm wake up. Thank you for listening to Rearing Children. Now we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. If you have any questions or topics you want us to discuss, or if you want to join the discussion and be a part of an episode, send the details our way via email at rearinggodschildren at or on Instagram at rearingchildren. And don't forget to share this episode with someone. Thank you.